1: remember we learned in chapter 3 that God identifies himself when he says, who should I tell them sent me? God says, I am. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the one worthy to be your master, worthy to be your boss. I am the Lord. We've been through this first powerful miracle with the staff, and then nine plagues. What made Moses keep going back? I don't think that it was just obedience. I don't think that it was just persistence, that he had gone to a motivational speaker and knew you got to keep on keeping on. Now I don't think that's what it was. I think there was more, and the key is found in a passage we skipped over. So I want to read that. And then I want to tell you how you can keep going back, okay? Chapter 6, verse 1. But the Lord said to Moses, now remember, this is before all those plagues. This is before he's gone to Pharaoh. You'll see what I'll do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand, he will send them out. With a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. Say this. Say, he is the Lord. He, is the Lord. he said, Moses, I, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Remember, we learned in chapter three that God identifies himself when he says, who should I tell them sent me? God says, I am. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I am the Lord. And that name, the Lord, we translate Yahweh in the Hebrew Bible. It's the first time in scripture that we have that phrase. And now for the rest of the book, you'll see that with a capital T or with a capital L, the Lord. I am the one that is the driving passion. I am the one that should be your motivation. I am the one worthy to be your master, worthy to be your boss. I am the Lord. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I've heard their groaning, the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and have remembered my covenant. A secondary theme all throughout Exodus is that God wants us to know that he knows us. So he's already told them twice, I've heard you, I've seen you, I remember what I told you I was going to do, I understand what you're going through, and I'm going to come down to deliver you. And now he's telling Moses that a third time. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. am the Lord. There's something I want to, I want you to understand. Sometimes if you want to go forward, you've got to go back. You've got to go back to those moments in life where you encountered God and he showed you who he was and what that meant to you. And if you haven't had those moments, when you come through the tough times in life, when the storms come, all you're going to see is the wind. You're not going to know the peace. But if you go back to those moments with God where you were in the center of his will and he spoke to you, that's something to hold on to. So let me tell you what he told Moses to go back to. He said, first go back and remember who I am. And so that's what I would say to you. You've got to keep going back and remember who God is. Who is God to you? Is he just the God of love? That's that's popular today. God's loving. He could never send anybody to hell. He could never be angry. God is loving, and he is love, but he's way more than that. Maybe you're on the other extreme. You see God just in his justice. And so you think, man, God's an angry God. I mean, he's ready to zap me, and if I blow it, I don't even know if I'll make it. I'll surely not go to heaven. Well, listen, God is just, but he's he's way more than that. He, he would tell Moses, "I was, and I am, and I forever will be." He is the—he was the uncreated, unchanging, unending God. He is a big God. Last week we learned that He is God Jehovah. He's Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my Banner. He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my Ra, the Lord my Shepherd. He's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He's Jehovah Shema, the Lord who is there. He's Jehovah Saduku, the Lord our righteousness. He's. Jehovah Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And he's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace. He's all these things, but he's more than these things. He's above us, though he is with us. He transcends us. He is the Lord. Usually when we miss out on God's best... It starts with us forgetting who He is. We've taken our eyes off of Him, and we've put our eyes on ourself and our situation. If you're doing that today, keep going back and remember who God is. But there's a second thing Moses learned: you got to go back and remember what God did, so that first word to Moses, he speaks in the present tense. I am the Lord. But this next word, he speaks in the past tense because he's saying, Moses, I want you to remember what I did. I established you and I delivered you. So we've got to do that too. We've got to keep going back and and remember what God did. Remember what He's done for us. He's our deliverer. He's our rescuer. If you've been saved, if you're a Christ follower who's already stepped across the faith line, if you know when your life ends, you're going to spend forever in heaven, aren't you thankful that God delivered you? Aren't you thankful that He rescued you? Aren't you thankful that He picked you up, as the song said, and turned you around? That He put your feet on solid ground that should stir us up and when we go through tough times and and we think man it it couldn't be worse if you're a christ follower never say that yeah it could be worse you could be on a one-way path to hell but god delivered you you have a future that's what god does now i've been telling you we're studying moses but this is pointing us to jesus everything points us to Jesus. Let me illustrate it. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present age according to the will of our God and Father. Do you know that God can deliver you? He can rescue you. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. We'll come back to this, but understand, he says, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You've received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, Father. If you're a Christ follower, you've been rescued. You've been delivered. That doesn't mean everything's easy. When we're saved... We're delivered from the penalty of sin. That means we no longer have to face death because of our sin because Jesus died on the cross for us. We're saved from the penalty of sin. But guess what? The Bible says we're also being saved. What does it mean that I'm being saved? I'm being saved from the power of sin. The more I follow Christ, I should sin less. I don't become sinless, but I should sin less. I should want to be more like Jesus and less like this world. Sin doesn't have power over me. So you may be saying, boy, you don't understand this addiction I have. Man, it's powerful. I understand that, but it's not as powerful as the gospel. Jesus said the same power that he used to conquer the grave is available to you. You know, you don't know how bad my marriage is. I don't know if I have the power. You don't have the power to survive a rough message. But you do through the gospel power but thank you jesus one day we will be saved from the presence of sin my daughter asked me often questions about heaven this week even she had a dream and she was dreaming about heaven like tell me about it and she wants to know what's it going to be like i don't know i don't think we're going to be in choir robes singing kumbaya all the time I mean, we're going to be seeing Jesus face to face. It's going to be awesome. I believe we work because we were created to work, and somehow we're working for his glory in heaven. But I also believe this. I believe the greatest thing about heaven is going to be about the fact that there's no sin. I don't know about you, but I wake up a lot of days and think, Man, God, I don't like me. I've blown it again. I've succumbed to sin. But there's no sin in heaven because we've been delivered. Well, we keep going back and we remember what God did. But then we keep going back and we remember how God did it. He says to Moses on behalf of the children of Israel, I will redeem them. Now, for them, that's in the future tense. He started in the present, he went to the past, and now he's in the future. For us, that's in the past too because we've got the whole scriptures. He has redeemed us. What does it mean to redeem something? Well, I went to Walgreens this week to buy some medicine, and when I put my phone number in the little keypad, you know what the guy said? Would you like to redeem your $10 points? And I'm like, Well, yes. What was he saying? Do you want to take this credit and apply it to your deficit? That's what it means to redeem something. We use cash to do that too. You go to the store, you buy a gallon of milk for $15, and what do you do? You give them that cash or your debit card, and you're redeeming that milk. You're purchasing that milk so that you can have it. What's interesting is the Bible says that Jesus redeems us. He's our redeemer. In fact, that's prophesied. In Isaiah, in chapter 43 and verse 1, it says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. In Hebrew culture, every family would have a goel, which is a redeemer. And so if the family lost their land, the family goel, the kinsman redeemer, they would go and purchase the land back. If a family member died and left a widow, the kinsman redeemer would marry that widow. In fact, we read about in the story of Ruth and Boaz that Boaz was a kinsman redeemer. If someone was murdered in the family, the redeemer would go after the murderer. In fact, that's a great story in the Bible because the only place to be safe from the From the one coming after you was in the city of refuge. By the way, God's our refuge. He's our strength. He's a very present help in times of trouble. So they would understand this idea of redeemer. What I've learned is that we in the church, I don't think we understand the idea of redeemer. We don't understand that when Jesus died on the cross, what he was doing, he was stepping in and he was paying a debt that he did not owe because we owed a debt we could never pay. The only way for us to be with God without Jesus is for us to die, but that doesn't do it because then we're dead in this life and we spend eternity separated from him. But Jesus made a way. That's what it says in Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Jesus purchased us with his blood. That's what we'll celebrate next week when we celebrate communion. First Peter 1 says, Knowing you were ransomed, your debt was paid from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. That's what it means to be redeemed. It cost. That's something I learned in eighth grade economics. There's no such thing as a free lunch. It always, remember, I don't care who you voted for. There's still no such thing as a free lunch. Somebody's got to pay the bill. Thank you, Jesus, that when it comes to my forever, he paid the bill. And when I feel like I can't go forward, I got to keep going back to what God did for me through Jesus. All right, let's review and then finish. So I've got to keep going back and remember who God is. I've got to keep going back and remember what God did for me. I've got to keep going back and remember how he did it. And then I've got to keep going back and remember whose I am. That's what I want you to do. When you leave here today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to leave knowing whose you are. So, so he said to Moses, hey, Moses, let them know they're my people. <laughs> it's going to be Okay. They're mine. And the Bible says, if you follow Jesus Christ and you've trusted that redemption he accomplished for you on that cross, if you've allowed him to forgive you of your sinfulness, you have become a part of God's family. And that's a big deal. Paul in Romans 8, we read this a moment ago, but I want to read it again in this light. You didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, and the best English word to translate that is daddy, father. If you've got a relationship with God, you are his. And once you're his, you're his. He doesn't treat your heart and your life like a cheap hotel where you check in and then check out as quick as you can. No, He he's there to stay. And you're entitled to everything that the family offers. All the inheritance. It's been over five years ago now that God began to move in our heart about a little girl that we had met and Kimberly and I began to talk and pray and think maybe God was leading us to bring her into our home and adopt her she was born to a teenage girl who was not living for God making very poor life choices I'm I'm so glad she did make the choice to give our daughter life that she didn't choose abortion and her death but the time had come when she was two or so she she could not be in that setting and So God opened our hearts to her. And before we made that final decision, though, we sat down with our four boys and we said, hey, this is what we're thinking, but you're part of this. You get a vote in this. We are a family and this will forever change our family because if we do this, she becomes a part of our family and that will never change. And one day, mom and dad, if if it happens the way it normally happens, mom and dad will go to heaven before you guys, but your sister would still be here. And she's yours. And if we have anything other than bills that we've left, it's not just left to y'all. It's left to her. But she's family. Man, they were all in. Let me just tell you, they have been fantastic big brothers. They've understood it. That once you're adopted into the family, you're family. Most nights if I'm home, My baby girl, she climbs up in my lap and we pray. First thing she does is ask me if there's any updates for the people we've been praying for. And we pray for some of you by name. She never forgets the names. I do. But when she sits in my lap, this is what she says to me. Daddy, you got any updates? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. But here's the truth. I don't hear much after she says daddy. In fact, she's determined she wants to be a big girl. And so sometimes she says, I want to call you dad. Because I'm a big girl. And I said, well, you can call me what you want. But you'll always be daddy's little girl. And when we go through life and we fall down and we blow it and we go back time and 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 time time time, time again and we don't think God's going to show up, we can still climb into his lap and say, Daddy, here I am again. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I remember I'm yours. You see, the truth is, Sometimes, you got to go back if you want to go forward. And some of you may be stalled out because you're not living like you know whose you are. Some of you are stalled out because you're really not living like you know what God did for you and what it cost Him. Others of you are stalled out because you've really taken your eyes off Him. It's not like you know who God is. If, if that's the case, you need to go back. Go back to some of those God moments. For some of you students, you need to mark down this weekend as a God moment. I was challenged with a cohort I'm in to to just think about moments in my life this week, six times that formed me and shaped me. So I went back to when I was seven and I've done this many times. And no matter how much I sin, I always go back and say, there's no question in my mind. As a simple child, I trusted Jesus and that's when I was saved. And then I go to when I was 12, I was at a camp and I believe at that camp is when God initially called me. I didn't respond until many years later, but at that camp, I knew God was calling me in my life. When I was 16 and 17 and 18 years old, God gave me some opportunities and for for the first time I felt like I could do what he wanted me to do I, I felt like I could be a leader like I could make a difference and then when I was 21 I did kneel at that bed and I surrendered and I said yes Lord whatever it is you want I'll do it then when I was 24 I made the second most important decision of my life and and I committed and coveted it to to marry my bride Kimberly and that deeply has influenced me and then at about 33 I had a ministry reset marriage reset really a family reset and I just made the decision I'm not gonna play games anymore in church or at home I, I, I want God's best for my life now why did I tell you those things because I know those moments that I have to go back to those salvation moments when I blow it I go back and say oh nope you're with me Lord You yeah, had left me those call moments when I think man, I'm tired of emails that don't like what we're doing or I'm I'm tired of the stress of are we going to be able to pay the bill? I'm tired of this or that. I go back and say, no, God, you called me. And if you called me, you'll take care of it. When my marriage has challenges like every marriage, I go back to that moment and say, thank you, Jesus, for Kimberly. I don't deserve her. And when I'm tempted just to go through the motions as a pastor and not make it about those who aren't here yet, I go back to that moment where I said I'm not playing games anymore. You need those moments because sometimes you got to go back if you want to go forward. If you're a Christ follower, I want you to think about those moments. But I need you to know before I pray, there's no question in my mind. Some of you are here and listening and you're not yet a follower of Jesus. I'm not talking about church. You've never surrendered. And I just need you to know, you can't go back to somewhere you've never been. So you need to trust Him today. Let's pray.
0: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support.